Welcome to the Extra Sauce Podcast. It's my fancy sauce. I want some fancy sauce. Yeah. I'm not done using it. With the czar of sauces, Greg Hill. This week's episode of the podcast will be completely different than it was going to be because of the death of Chris Cornell. And I, Shu, I think we both felt like we ought to spend a little bit of time on that because yeah. it was such a shocking loss uh, and such a surprise at, yeah. fi- at 52 years old. And but, someone who, who was sober, who seemed to be, you know, on the outside, seemed to be dealing with that. Yes. You know, for like over a decade, he had been sober. Yeah. He'd been trying to take care of himself. He, his voice was still good. So yeah. Gotten Soundgarden back together. Yeah. You know, things were looking great. And yeah, shocking is is the word. Yeah. For this. I yeah. We're going to, in just a few moments, we're going to be joined by Joe Perry of Aerosmith, who is in Israel and has some fond memories of Chris Cornell and and, uh, their interaction and has a really, also has a really unique perspective on substance abuse and what the, uh, what the rock and roll lifestyle is like. And you're, I mean, those guys... Aerosmith keeps playing on and on and on. I, I think Aerosmith will. I don't think anything will. Aerosmith will play forever. I don't want to yeah. Hillman jinx anything, right. but I. I mean, they just and those guys, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, their nickname was the Toxic Twins because they did so much stuff of they everything. Did, they did. They yes. did. They did so much of that stuff, um, and have uh, have have been able to recover and to and to keep going. But. Um, it, I, I guess the big question until we get to to Joe uh, is about the why of this and and uh, if indeed the the police reports are correct that it's a that it's a suicide. I you have to you know I, I guess it's it's like it, it, it you know it's anybody who's lost somebody to this that you're always asking that question and many times you never get an answer. I yeah you know well when, because there's no formula uh, there's no same answer. Yeah, there's no everybody's standard different. Issue. I guess it, yeah, right. Every single case is completely different, you know, because it's just they're dealing. The variables are all there, it's, and it's never just one thing. It's never because there was drug abuse or you had a tough childhood. It's always a a, a combination or yeah. a culmination, yeah, of things. Well, but you think about, and I, you know, I was saying this on the show. I mean, his voice was the absolute. You know, you can make a case for Chris Cornell's voice being the best voice of the 1990s. Well, if you, if you I mean, did, yeah, yeah, you know, you yeah. might have to include like Whitney Houston in that or something. But right. when yeah. it, when it, when it, when it comes to hitting high notes, you know, he had uh, he had like a uh, what do they call? Is it octaves? The, the like he had yeah, a four he had multi, octave, he had multi a four octave range. He had a yeah. four, like a four octave range. Yeah. Which you hear not only in in Soundgarden songs, but in it, Temple of the Dog, mm-hmm. you know, in Hunger Strike, and um, it, it, it's just I don't, you know, everybody's been examining his tweets over the, over the last three or four days, and his his Mother's Day tweets are about his wife being you know being the greatest mother and the, the, his angel and the love. Of, I mean, I just. It's it's just it's tough to take, and I guess there's no there's no rhyme or reason to why it happens. Why, why no. somebody why somebody takes their own life? Yeah, and, it's it's yeah. it's different for each case, you know. And as yeah. far as his voice goes, I I put him up there with Robert Plant, 
Yeah. You know, as far as rock singers go. Not, I know you put him with Whitney Houston. Yes, he's up there with a great voice. But as far as rock singers, he's up there with Robert Plant and Ronnie James Dio and, and people like Paul Rogers and, and Freddie Mercury. You know, because of that range you were talking about. So he could do the screaming hard rock stuff and, and then just easily lay down an acoustic track and make it sound so very, very sweet. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. Like the song Seasons from the single soundtrack. Yeah. To me, that's just showing his vocal gymnastics. Well, the cover. And, and, you know, uh, fantastic he was. The cover that we played on the show of the Sinead O'Connor song, Nothing Compares to You, right. is, it gives you goosebumps. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, his, and then at the end of the show, we played his version of Redemption Song, which he did on the Jimmy Fallon show, on the Tonight Show, and, and uh, that gives me goosebumps too. I mean, his his voice is, uh, was uh, just an, an absolutely amazing voice. And, and, and it had and, power. Yeah. That's the thing. It, yeah. it went through you. You mentioned Whitney Houston. That voice is the it goes right into you, you know. You, you mentioned someone like Robert Plant when he screams or when he sings, you can feel it. And the same thing with Chris Cornell. I remember first hearing his voice and just thinking, "Oh my God!" Didn't you see them in 1988 at like a, like yes. a college campus or something like that? I I first heard them when I was working in college radio, and the album Ultra Mega OK came out, and they were touring, and they were playing at Hampshire College, and I was up in North Adams, and I went to see them. They were playing in their dining- road trip. Yeah, ro- road it was trip, awesome. We always trip. took a road trip. Hampshire yeah. College has a lot of money, so they always yeah. got really good bands. And uh, and they played in their dining commons. They pushed the folding cafeteria tables up against the wall. Yeah. And there they were, Soundgarden. And they were so loud. It was one of the loudest shows I've ever seen. And you could barely hear his voice. But as a, like a performer, yeah. as, a, as a guy on stage, you couldn't take your eyes off of him. Were you, into, were you into the grannies back then, or was it, is that a recent thing? Uh, no, this, Greg. Was, and not oh, you into, into the grannies now, you were, either. You were, <laughs> you were into, Do we have to was, taint this awesome conversation <laughs> with elderly porn? You were into false older accusations? You were into older women. They were just in their 30s. Yes, back, exactly. Back then because and were, I'm still into women in their 30s. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. No, I saw Soundgarden open up for the first time I ever saw them live was uh, they opened up for Guns N' Roses at the, I believe the show was at the Centrum, and it, this would be 1991 or 1992. Uh, they gave Guns N' Roses a run for their money when it came, when it came to that show. And, yeah. and uh, it's just, I mean, I don't know. There's something about that grunge scene. I mean, Chris Cornell is certainly one of the fathers, the founding fathers of grunge. So, I mean, you know, there's, a, you know, his Andrew Wood mm-hmm. of of a Mother Love Bone, who uh, Chris wrote uh, Say Hello to Heaven about. Right. Uh, was, yeah, that whole was, Temple of the Dog album was a project started by him writing songs about his friend. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and he, you know... Uh, Andrew Wood was his roommate mm-hmm. and his and his very good friend and and he died of a heroin overdose yeah. and you know I there you know Kurt Cobain killed himself um, Lane Staley is uh, is is, is, is heroin uh, heroin and you know Scott Wyland not uh, STP not a Seattle band but a part of that right. of that genre yeah, and, of that, and, and of that era yeah and I don't know what it is like I don't know if I mean, I, maybe this maybe the substance abuse stuff ends up being all tied into it, and and it's um, it it manipulates your mind enough that right. that you're not thinking straight. Or I think that was uh, the case in uh, Kurt Cobain's case. You think so? He had a heroin problem, and I think he couldn't think clearly, 
definitely the case when he married Courtney Love. Yeah, absolutely. It was not I mean, you had to had to be on something. Yeah, yeah. You know, but um, I think with grunge, you're you you're grunge was great because it mixed the old with the new. So you had the guys who loved Led Zeppelin and loved Black Sabbath, but they also loved, say, like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and the Butthole Surfers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they kind of mixed the two together and had that punk ethic in there. But you, you listen to a lot of the stuff that you mentioned and, you know, a lot of it is very it's very dark. It's very gloomy. You know, not yeah. a lot of positive stuff in there. Yeah. And and I think that's the kind of people you had to be that kind of person for real. You know, to the yeah, yeah, you can't fake it. Like, right. you can't, yeah, 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 yeah. To make that kind yeah, of music. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's. It's not like uh, Bieber, you know, when Bieber right. is throwing eggs at somebody's right. house or, you know, right. driving his Ferrari. Now, see, that's fast. It, like, yeah. like it's, it's not that's douche. That's not dark. Yeah. It's not douchebag. It's douchey. It's, right. Yeah, it, that's what Bieber is doing. To the these, bone. These guys had to live, and they that's all they did. Like, you read this stuff about Nirvana, and it. In the early days, driving around in a van, mm-hmm. you know, like a used van and yeah. no no money, not a cent to them. And I also wonder, I want to ask Joe Perry about this, if it's if it's also like a big, like when you when you start off that way and then, you know, this is a big thing with, with Kurt Cobain is he didn't want to be, you know, I don't know if it's an act or it was legit or not, but, but he didn't want to be famous. And so he didn't want to deal with... What happens when you right. when you become Kurt Cobain well, and yeah. and when grunge you know when when smells like Teen Spirit is the the number one song in the you know in the world uh, is that too much to take you know, yeah again, I and, think that is a huge part of it and if you look at Guns and Roses like you just mentioned there's a band I wouldn't call it overnight success but they got famous very quickly. Right. And look what it did to them. Yeah. You know, and then and then they made, became extremely paranoid and they went at each other. And I think that's definitely a factor. All of a sudden, you're in a city, Seattle, which there's tons of record company people looking for the next big thing. Yeah. And then next thing you know, you're, you're famous very quickly. And MTV had to help in that. Yeah. And then yeah. you don't know who to trust and you get paranoid. And then, you know, if you add, you know, some depression or drug addiction on top of that, it, it just it enhances it. Well, it is, it's a huge loss. And, and his voice is a, was a powerful voice. And, and I'm curious what, what uh, Joe Perry says about where that voice ranks and all the voices that he has heard in the history of, of, of voices. So if you get a chance to, have you had the opportunity to watch any of Chris Cornell's last performance yet? There's, if you read into things, he, he works in my time of dying, the Led Zeppelin song into the, what would eventually be would would end up being the very last song that that uh, that he ever plays at that at that performance Wednesday hmm. night. So, um, it's it's a big loss. We're talking about Chris Cornell, um, and we are joined now by Joe Perry of Aerosmith, who is uh, good enough to join us from far far away and give us a little extra sauce on Chris Cornell. Hey, how you doing? Good. I know you're in in Israel, and I appreciate you joining us on the podcast. And I'm I know you you uh, you tweeted about Chris Cornell, and and I in looking into that, I, I guess I forgot those guys had uh, Soundgarden had toured with you guys. Well, in the early days, yeah, of, of their career, um, yeah, uh, and I've met him a few times. Uh, but boy, it was a shock reading that. I mean, uh, today, 
Yeah. Hearing about that, you know, I know nothing more than um, that, that just that he was 52 and he passed away. I know nothing more. We were, but um, obviously, it was really sad. You know, Joe, you, you've you've had the opportunity to play with so many amazing voices and to hear so many amazing voices. Where do you rank Chris Cornell? I mean, we we've, we've been talking all podcast about how uh, amazing and incredible his voice was and what a talent he was. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, he he really had you know an exceptional set of pipes, and you know, I would say like in our in our end of the business, you know, um, he was one of the preeminent singers. You know, when when you uh, go down the list, you know. Um, and he, I, I would think he would be in, easily in the top ten, uh, all over. You know, all time. I know that, uh, and uh, you know everything from his work in Soundgarden to everything he's done since then. And so, um, and again, I, I only you know, met him a couple times. I always got the vibe he was going to be a survivor. You know, um, yeah. So that's why it was so shocking. I mean, you know, I hung out with Scott Weiland and uh, and Bon Scott and. Um, you know some other other lead singers, and you look uh, um, uh, Scott Weiland, and look at, you know you look in their eyes, and there's this kind of distant look, and, and you go, man, I hope he makes it. And I never, I never got that vibe from Chris. You know, I thought he was going to be there, and uh, but you can never tell. I, I don't know. What is it about rock and roll? You're certainly somebody who's been through everything, <laughs> um, and yeah. and what you know what it. Is you know, and, and again, the reports are early, and these are ju- just reports, but they they have been confirmed by the police that that uh, they're investigating this as a suicide. What what is it about? Is there something about the lifestyle that it leads? Well, I, you know what? If you look at history, artists have always been um, on the fringe end of uh, you know having the foot both feet on the ground yeah uh it goes back to the to the you know every generation has artists that are tormented um and so looking looking back it's it would it just fits in with with a pattern poets you know writers painters uh all through history have had it have demons to deal with um i think it goes hand in hand with with having some some kind of uh, of, of gift, especially when you're a, a performing artist, um, it takes takes something out of you to go out and do that, no matter what. And um, so it's uh, it's I think it just go it just goes hand in hand. But again, it doesn't mean that you have to go down that road to be to be able to use your talent and entertain people or express yourself. It just seems to be come come uh come with the territory and they when you think about grunge i mean chris cornell is is obviously a grunge icon did uh, did that genre catch you off guard and when you when, when when you look back at it now it it really it's amazing you know you can't explain it to people who weren't listening to music at that time but the first time you heard nirvana or the first time you heard soundgarden did you say to yourself this is different no, yeah, <laughs> no. I I thought they were very pop oriented, frankly. Yeah, uh, they wrote they wrote songs really, you know, well constructed songs. I mean, I did. No, I didn't. It, I you know, of course, it, it was a new generation coming coming up. So, you know, uh, it was like 
this whole, uh, you know, supposed new thing. But no, I didn't see any, hear any difference. The songs structured like like good pop songs, just like a lot of the a lot of the the, the greatest blues songs that were recorded in the 30s and 40s were. Um, if you put electric guitars on them, which which we started doing, they were they were great pop songs and yeah. uh, for their time and and uh, so no, I didn't didn't uh, get that. It just seemed like there was a a scene there with with a lot of great rock bands and it just kind of exploded out of Seattle. And I think it was that you know the, the industry turned it into the, tried to make it into this brand new thing. But you know when I talked to, to the guys in STP and and uh, who we got to know really well and have since played with, uh, uh, you know, the DeLeo brothers and, and uh, Robert, and, you know, we wrote in the studio with them. They said, you know, this whole business about it's all alternative and we can't be, be on the same stage with you guys. It's like they're all big fans of, of the rock and roll yeah. from every generation. So amongst the musicians, I don't, I don't get there was a, like a great separation. I think that was more of a, of a media thing, you know, Joe and having dealt, you know, it dealt successfully with the, with substance abuse and that kind of thing. When you look at that Seattle scene and you look at losing Andrew Wood or losing Lane Staley or losing Kurt Cobain or, or losing now Chris Cornell, it, I mean, from your perspective, is there something about that particular movement where you know, like as you're like you're talking about, they did those guys just want to play in a rock band, and you know, or the fame got to them, or is it the is it the drug use? I mean, Chris Cornell had been sober since 2003, by all reports. Is there anything that you think from you know having been doing this for so long? that is specific to that Seattle grunge scene that has led to the loss of a lot, a lot of these guys way before their time. No, but I think that there was a lot of heroin use in that area. Yeah. Um, anyway, I mean, I've met people that didn't have anything to do with, with, um, music that it was a lot because of, it was a port of entry from the, uh, from, you know, from the East, um, where a lot of the stuff used to come from, or probably still does. I mean, I know that there was a lot that came through that port, you know, and uh, so it might have been a little easier to get. But, you know, it, I don't think that the substance, the particular substance is what matters. I think what, you know, because if it wasn't, it would be uh, if it, wine or it would yeah. be whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And again, it goes deeper than, than, you know, whatever the substance is. It's more about the tendency to abuse it. I think and it- that, again, like I said, you know, it's endemic all through history. I mean, look at Hemingway, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. he drank himself till he couldn't drink anymore. And then he, you know, he killed himself. That, I think that led to his demise, you know, yeah. and, uh, is probably one of the, if not the, the best writer from this century, from the last century, you know, I, I, I agree. I think it's timing at that time and geography. So yeah. you had a lot of heroin that time in that area of the country, kind of like San Francisco in the in the sixties. Yeah, where you right. happen to have Osley there making all this acid. Yeah, and then all the well, bands were go. taking it there. You know, but yeah. Joe, as as someone who's who's recovering, uh, you know, the, is it hard? Is it a, still a struggle every day for you? I mean, for for Chris Cornell, it's mm-hmm. been it was over a decade. So is there any time well, like after a while that it's like okay, things are starting to settle down and I can do this, or or is it just a constant struggle? 
I don't think I don't think about it every day by any means. I don't even look at it like I'm recovering. I'm like you know, I had I'm brushed up against it, and you know, and I'm smarter for it, and that's it. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not uh, anyway. Some of that stuff is, is uh, you know, obviously one of the things that helped save you in the beginning. But, you know, I kind of tend to think that, uh, you know, I just have to carry a little more baggage around. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. But I don't think about it every day. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for joining us from Israel and for sharing some thoughts on Chris Cornell. And how's, but by the way, how's everything going in Israel? Uh, big fans in Israel? I mean, a lot of, how many people show oh, yeah. up? Played to close to fifty thousand people last night, <laughs> and uh, it was it's 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 a people around very excited that we were here yeah. playing and you know wandering around the streets. We're having a good time. We're going in to meet uh, Prime Minister in a minute. Nice He's in the wow. van right now, going in, and then uh, and they're looking forward to the possibility of Trump coming next week. So oh, they are. that will be historic. Yeah. So right. uh, anyway, it's 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 great. It's an amazing, amazing place to be. Well, Joe Perry, thanks for giving us a little extra sauce on Chris Cornell. All right. Well, it's a sad day, but uh, you know, I don't know. Anyway, it's thanks a, for having me on. It's you know what? Hi to all the fans out there, man. Yeah, <laughs> there's that. I mean, it, rock and roll has lost a lot of very talented people, and it's. Yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah. uh, well, it's sad. Uh, yeah. It's it's uh it's the end of an era, you know. I think that the, uh, Chris's th- thing was that that I don't know how to address that, but I know that we're getting to the point where a lot of the the, the pioneers from the, the 60s and 70s are getting to that age too. Yeah. So anyway, I All wouldn't right, Chris in that at this point. I mean, that's just Sad. He had a lot of good years ahead of him, and I feel really bad for the family. And uh, thanks for having me on. Okay. That song, Chris Cornell's tribute to his friend and roommate, Andrew Wood, of the band Mother Love Bone, who we discussed died, died of a heroin overdose. And, mm-hmm. and uh, that's why Chris and and, uh, and Eddie went and formed Temple of the Dog yeah, as, as, yeah. A, as a tribute. And that's, I mean, you listen to the lyrics of that song. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so weird to think, but that was his goodbye to his friend mm-hmm. who left without saying goodbye to him. Yep. And Chris Cornell has now has done that and has and has now left. You know, it's just, that's why I think it's so screwed up. I mean, I I understand, yeah. I but but it's he's now done that. I mean, right. he was he wrote a song about being tortured by that, and now he's he's uh, he's done that. You yeah. know, so um, we've been talking about Chris Cornell and his way too early death, and we're joined now by an accomplished author who not only writes legitimate books, but uh, for years covered the career of Chris Cornell writing for the Boston Herald or for The Voice or Noisy or Dig Boston. Dave Wedge joins us here on Extra Sauce for some further Extra Sauce on on Chris Cornell. Dave. 
Hey, guys, how you doing? Well, I mean, this is shocking. Joe Perry just said that it was uh, an absolute shock to him and that Chris Cornell died way, way too young. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I mean, look, I, I, you know, I graduated college in 93, so I, I started my music writing career um, covering bands like Soundgarden and, and Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all those early early 90s grunge bands. And, um, you know, it was definitely a moment in time when those bands came out. You know, we, we had just gone into Desert Storm. You know, yeah. so my generation, kind of a lot of my friends were going over to to um to the middle east and it was the first time that a generation of young people had experienced war uh since vietnam that's really. a great point and um it's a great and it point. kind of the music that was coming out in those you know 91 to 94 really kind of captured that that angry angsty uh, spirit that that my generation had uh, people in their early 20s at that time and certainly chris cornell with with his dark themes um you know was was a big part of that and uh, you know, I remember distinctly when when um, Louder Than Love first came out in in '91. You know, we, me and all my friends, you know, we were always going to Boston hardcore shows. You know, seeing all you know, Tree, Slapshot, Sam Black Church, all those bands. And when when Louder Than Love came out and Big Dumb Sex, we were like, wow, this is this is it. Like this is the sound we've been looking for. It was that mix of metal, rock, and hardcore. Right. And, yeah, um, yeah. but yet it was accessible, you know, and it, mm-hmm. it was, it was a cool sound and they were a great band. And, um, what's most sad to me is that, you know, um, all the, all those guys from that generation are dying really young and, you know, the older rockers from the generation before gladly, a lot of them are living long into their seventies and eighties and continuing to do stuff. But this generation is really destroying itself and it, yeah. it's sad to see. Why, why do you think that is? I think it's a lot, you know, opiates, man. You know, I mean, it's a drug, it's a, it's a generation that, I mean, look at what you guys were just talking about with Andrew Wood. You know, the the whole thing started where they were upset because their friend died of a heroin overdose and then Kurt Cobain kills himself and then Lane Staley and Mike Starr and it goes on and on and on, you know, and, um, I just think it's a, it's a generation that was raised, um, they're very anti-establishment, you know, even more so than the Vietnam era musicians. I think that they were very independent they were uh, very confused i think there's a lot of depression and the drug use is 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 really really bad and and it i think with a guy like chris cornell who's you know clearly struggled with those issues his entire life now he's you know beyond middle age he's 52 years old you know and or in middle age and you know he's got kids and a wife and he's and he's playing every night and you know who knows where that depression takes you it obviously takes you to a very dark place you know yeah and i don't think you can understand it if if you don't suffer from it, I don't. I you know I, I you, we spent a lot of time with a lot of assholes uh, texting the the show about you know suicide is right. a is a coward's way out or it's a uh, you know it's a selfish way out and I don't I mean I don't think you can until you in, until you fight it I don't think you can understand it. I, no, I, I, and I, I certainly I'm not going to sit here and say. I understand why anyone kills themselves because no one does. You know, no one knows why someone does that. I, you know, my best friend committed suicide seven years ago, a firefighter, you yeah. know, in Brockton. And, you know, we knew he was upset and he was going through some hard times, but we didn't expect it. It's certainly not that day. You know, I talked to him the day before and he was fine. And, and so suicide something that people don't understand. Um, you know, and, and the reports I've seen about Chris Cornell are the same. He was he was it was business as usual he put on a great show he's talking to people after the show um 
you know, there was no signs that he was in, in trauma, but a lot of times when, when people commit suicide, they, they plan it or, or they, they know they're going to do it. And, and a, a lot of what I've read about, and I've, believe me, since my friend, I've, I've consumed everything I can read about it, is that they almost come to a peace, and that's why they seem yeah. so peaceful before huh. they do it, because they're, they're, it's a release. They know, they know that it's over. They know they're going to do it, and they just kind of like they're prepared for it. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I've read a lot of yeah. stuff about that. Yeah. yeah, I have a friend who, who, who killed himself. He, he researched the kind of gun he wanted to use and the kind of ammunition. He found a place uh, in the woods where he could do it. He made arrangements to move a particular chair he would sit in every day. To move yeah. it out there to the woods, he, it was a lot of planning yeah. that yep. went into it, yep. and uh, so. But that's the thing: we see him from the outside. You have no idea the guy's got a family. He's super yeah, successful, no, yeah. incredibly no. talented. But I, you know, the one common thing I hear people d- uh, describe depression as is like this huge, heavy, wet blanket mm. that just yeah. is all is completely on top of you, and it it just makes it hard to just move to li- physically yeah. move to live to think. And if he's been fighting that since, you know, we talked on the show about that time with his parents. Getting divorced. Getting divorced. And he yeah, stayed yeah. in his house for how long? Two years. Two he years. He couldn't go. Right. When he was young, he couldn't go. He's a teenager. His parents got divorced. And he and he, he said in an interview with The Guardian that he couldn't leave his home yeah. for, for two yeah, years. And, you know? and that's what Black Hole Sun is supposedly about, yes. is, that, is that era in his life. And, you know, so you're talking about a guy that that's where he started you know that that's where his life started as a you know in his formative years <laughs> he goes on to to join with these you know this crazy movement that happened in the early 90s with all these bands that were singing about really dark themes and really heavy music combining metal and rock and and kind of acid rock you know mixing all those elements it's it's i mean if you listen back to alice in chains like that's some really dark oh, yeah. shit you know it what is I mean? it's, it's com- you're right it, it's it is it, it's, yeah it's, the it's dirt album dark, you know it's yeah. cool songs and like we listen to it now we're like oh yeah that song's badass because we grew up with it but the younger generation hears that stuff and they're like wow that's some dark stuff like yeah. they don't make dark music like that anymore and, and it was a it was a moment in time but the other myth here guys that everyone talks about in these situations whether it's prince or, you know, Lane Staley or whoever it is, everyone talks about the money. You know, the guy's worth $60 million. Why would he do that? Well, money doesn't matter when your mind is, is, is eating itself. Yeah. And, and that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a guy who clearly um, had struggled with depression his whole life, struggled with drug addiction, and everyone's telling him every day how great he is, and he's handsome, and he's making millions, and w- why can't you be happy? Well, that doesn't help. You know what I yeah. mean? Well, you think it, about I'm just thinking about it now. When you talk about... The, what he went through as a teenager, and then you know what he goes through with Andrew Wood, his, yep. his roommate. Mm-hmm. What he goes through with Kurt Cobain, or what, or or whoever. Or the time where he the, got famous very quickly. It, yes, and, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, I mean, it's uh, and he dealt it's, with that for, it's a lot. for possibly what yeah. like forty years since yeah. that time where well, he was wouldn't leave his house. And well, so yeah. after a while, I can imagine you're in your mind, you're like, okay, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Well, uh, and also, um, you know, I think what. What Joe Perry referred to is that in many cases, the most talented of artists, I don't care if it's Vincent Van Gogh or, or Ernest Hemingway, as he mentioned, or Chris Cornell, uh, a, a reason why they are able to, to, to tap that creativity is oftentimes because of a miserable 
upbringing or or a miserable it's why comedians comedians say over and over again yeah. they're they're funny because they had a shitty life so i, I mean I, I think that's a part of it too dave yeah no i, I agree and I, um one more thought and this this may be a little crazy but I, I interviewed lemmy a few years back and i was very lucky to talk to him and i had a great interview with him i i had interviewed him a couple of times but the last interview i had with him he said something interesting to me where he said that, you know, all these guys being rock stars, you know, getting married and having kids and having families, he's like, that's bullshit. He's like, it's crazy. He's like, there's no way it can work. And that's why I never did it. And if you guys saw the documentary on Lemmy, he just kind of, he embraced his alcoholism. He embraced his drug use. He embraced his hard living. And he said, you know what? I don't have any anchors, so I don't have to worry about that. So my point of that story is that you look at a guy like Chris Cornell or Eddie Vedder or the rest of them, they do have families that's got to be a tremendous strain on them doing that kind of work where you're on the road all the time. You know, we yeah. all, you know, Greg, I know you're married, you know, your wife is, where are you? When are you coming home? Yeah. I mean, your kids want you like that can't be a healthy thing for you personally to be on the road all the time away from your family. So you got to wonder if, you know, if, if it's, if, if that's something that plays into these yeah. situations right. and where the, and they feel the, guilty that they're not around for their family and, and yeah. that fuels the depression. Yeah, and the right. energy yeah. it takes to, to find a balance yeah. well, it's between not, crazy know. rock and roll business lifestyle yeah. and then the normalcy of like having some kids and getting into no school. Problem. You yeah. know, some guys do it no problem. You know, the guys in Aerosmith, many of them have, have had yeah. very happy families for many years. Yeah. But, um, you know, maybe sometimes it, it, that takes a toll too. But I think m- musically, guys, you know, Soundgarden's place and their legacy is secure. I mean, they're they're one of the best bands in the last thirty years, and you know, I think Soundgarden in particular um, was was more more in line with the classic rock bands than even the grunge era bands, yeah. where you know they weren't quite as um, nihilistic as say a Nirvana, or yeah. they weren't they weren't quite as dark as an Alice in Chains. Their music crossed over a little more to the mainstream, I think, than all the rest of those bands. And certainly Chris Cornell has done a lot of mainstream stuff in recent years, and he had that classic rock voice um, that that appealed to so many people. So it's it's a huge loss. It's where do you sad. where do you rank his voice, Dave? I mean, is it, I mean, it, he's one of the, he. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, he's one of the greatest rock singers of all time, in my for my money. I mean, yeah. you know, you got to. I don't have a list in my mind. Well, no, here, but right? I mean, but, I, you know, I, his, no, I think he, I think he's certainly better than all those other ones that we just mentioned. He's yeah. the best of that era, certainly. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, all those other guys had unique voices, but no one had the range and the power of Chris Cornell. You know, if you listen to a song like like Big Dumb Sex or or, or, or Black Hole Sun or, or Ave like, Maria, like yeah, listen, to him, of listen Ave to him, listen to him do Ave Maria. Yeah. You know, yeah, the yeah, guy range. had a very classic voice, and he could have sang any genre. Where you know, a guy like Kurt Cobain could only sing punk rock. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, but Chris Cornell could could go on American Idol and and sing and 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 blow people away. He was uh, just a massive talent. It's 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 tough to see all these guys in our generation dying so young. It really blows. It really does. Well, I thank you for giving us a little extra sauce on Chris Cornell and and uh, and and just a. Uh, tragic, tragic thing. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, well, play play some music for him, guys. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dave. Thank you. Take care.
lot to think about after after both of those guys. I mean, I was, you know, interesting that Joe Perry said he looked in in uh, Scott Weiland's eyes and he thought Scott Weiland might not make it, but he yeah. looked in Chris Cornell's eyes and he thought Chris Cornell yeah. would be a guy who would make it. And there's know, a guy who would know because he's around. He's been around it his whole life. Yeah, he's yeah. seen the the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And then um, you know, I Dave Wedge makes makes some great some great points. And I and I great. I do think that you know, from the musicology point of view, and and hopefully Joe, the musicologist, is not. You don't have Joe standing by to come you on. You want the me podcast. to call? Him? No, no, I don't. No, no. Um, <laughs> he, um, he's right about Soundgarden, and even Joe was right about about grunge where. You know, it wasn't necessarily a different genre of music, it, but it was. It was well, some. Those were pop songs. That it was, comes to. It know. comes. It's the universal thing about all music, no matter what it is. If it's a good song, yeah. If it's a good song, whether Soundgarden does it or you know, we're talking about Chris Cornell and his cover of Redemption song. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a good song, and I think that's what Joe is trying to say. Like these guys weren't doing anything, doing anything new. They were just writing good songs. I mean, there were hundreds and hundreds of grunge bands. Yeah, you know, uh, but only a few made it out because they could write good songs. And Sub Pop was running around ready to sign anybody who had oh, a yeah. single, like you, you know, who had a guitar and a, a drum set and was right. at, had a modicum of talent. They were right because they were trying to they were they wanted to take advantage of it and sign everybody. Yeah. So yeah, all right. Well, thanks very much for joining us this week on Extra Sauce. Next week, I I promise this uh, this has been a uh, a tough topic, but I think it's an important one to talk about. Absolutely. So, uh, and Chris Cornell is going to leave, as Dave said, and as Joe Perry said, going to leave a massive legacy behind. It, it we we may just have lost uh, one of the we, we certainly lost one of the best. We may just have lost the best voice of the last thirty years. So, um, we will be back next week with another episode of Extra Sauce. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play. And we'll catch you next week with more Extra Sauce.